0: Father, this morning we just come to you. We surrender ourselves, to Lord, spirit, soul, and body. Sanctify us. First by your blood. By your spirit. By your word. For the entrance of your word. Brings light. Your word is eternal. It will never pass away. And I pray as we hear continuously your word, our lives will be governed by your word, the living word, Jesus Himself. So I pray, Father, even as we hear, let faith arise for everyone. Let faith arise. Let our ears be open to what you are speaking to us. Let there be a quickening in us when we hear your voice. Speak, Father. Speak. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We come back to again this morning, back to teaching, preaching on faith. Because like I said earlier, Corinthians thirteen thirteen talks about the three most important things, the three things that will abide. It says faith, love, and hope, and of which scripture says the greatest is love. But I personally believe, and I believe I'm, I'm right, that the most important, greatest is love, the most important is faith. Because it is through faith we access everything about God. When God talks about the greatest being, love, he's not talking about any kind of love which any one of us has or received when we were in this world, born in this world. It is talking about the love of God. Therefore, the love of God can be accessed only by faith. That's why faith is so important. And the issue with faith is there is only one way faith will come. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. Okay? Faith does not come from hearing. Just because I heard, it doesn't mean faith comes because we hear a lot of things. Hearing comes from the word of God. When God speaks, we hear. Like you might hear a hundred one and a half hours of sermon or one hour, forty five minutes, or one hour or forty five whatever of sermon. But in the middle of it, God would have spoken to everyone something. Something. That's what you need to keep your ears open to. That's why you have to prepare yourself and give attention, listen carefully that you do not miss. Like Elijah's ears, that's why it took Elijah 40 days of walk up the mountain and fasting and then God moved thunder, lightning, earthquake, everything, but when actually God spoke it was a whisper. And that man spiritually was prepared to hear that whisper. And that one whisper he heard God speaking would define the, the next years of his life, what he's going to do. A whisper. Remember that. Probably 10 years or 12 years of the later part of Elijah's life was defined by a whisper. What are you doing here? Go back the way you came. And as you go back, anoint this one, this one, this one. Over. That was what he was going to do the next 12 years. So when God speaks, most of the time, it's a whisper of the Holy Spirit. Listen carefully. Because it's from there, faith comes. But let me make a correction first here. Not a correction, just... Faith has two meanings, both in English and in the Bible. Two meanings. One, it means a set of precepts or beliefs. So we say the Christian faith, I am of the Christian faith, I belong to the Christian faith, or Hindu faith, or Islamic faith, Jewish faith. It's a set of precepts or beliefs. So whenever a believer talks to somebody else, I, this is, I believe, this is my faith, they misunderstand it meaning this is your religion. Okay? So faith in that Meaning, means a set of precepts. And that's what Jude 1-3 is actually talking about in terms of a set of precepts that is handed over to us. This is how a Christian lives. This is how a Jew lives. This is how a Muslim lives. It will say, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith." Okay? Which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. This is talking about a set of precepts. How, what is Christianity? You have to fight for it because Christianity is connected to the salvation of your soul. So people will try to change the precepts of Christianity so that your salvation is fake. Okay? Understand that's why you have to contend for that's why the doctrinal part of christianity is so important that you have to be incredibly clear about what is doctrine okay doctrine is about a person unlike we unlike the other religions we'll not say doctrines of hinduism doctrines of islam the bible talks about doctrine of christ it's everything connected to a person everything connected to a person it's a belief system. So that is the first meaning. Then there is a second one. Once you have come into that system, you are saved, you got baptized, you joined yourself to the body of Christ, and you have learned, you are learning the doctrine of Christ, comes the second part of what is faith. And that's actually, on a day-to-day basis, more important. That is your personal faith, or trust, In the person of Jesus Christ, his words and his work. His words and his works. That is where hearing comes. And that is the constant call of Jesus Christ. That's what he's always looking for. Look at a few verses I'll give you. John 10. Do you say of him, 36 to 38, of him whom the father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I am the son of God? If I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the father is in me and I in me. You will constantly say, hey, believe in me and believe in my works. If you find it difficult to believe in me, first believe in my work and then believe in me. Now this is talking about faith. Believing in the person, believing in what he speaks, and believing in what he does. Why is it so important is because this person is a constant. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he always does what he has always done. In John 11, verses 25 to 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Did you see how Jesus always uses words How God? He doesn't say, uh, I will soon die, then I will rise up, and after that, I will be the resurrection. He says, no, I am. I am. There's no change with God. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, we're talking about that. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? He'll ask this rhetorical question, do you believe? Now, this is not talking about the precepts of Christianity. He says, do you believe in me? Do you believe what I say? Do you believe what I do? You see in my works, you heard my words. Do you believe? In John chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. Let, yes, yeah. Did we did 14 1? Yeah, you can go back to 14, 1. Oh, yeah! Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. You believe also in me. So Jesus always through his journeys calls people to put their personal faith in him. Which nobody else does. Nobody ever does. In human history. They will always tell you to try to follow their teachings. Not Jesus. Jesus will always say, put your trust in me. Put your trust in the father. Put your trust in me. Look at the other words, 11. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? That the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. So he says, believe in me, believe in my words, and believe in my work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. There is a desperation there. Okay, he says, please, if you find difficult to believe me and my words, do you see all this stuff happening? At least believe in the work and then believe in me. No? This is what God is talking about. Start here, he said. Start at the little, till remember the days in the beginning when you got saved. How easy it was to believe and you received your miracles. Because he had very childlike faith. Now the doctrine should have strengthened that faith, but it made into an intellectual. And the works of God seems to be ceasing in lives. God says, no, I am the same. Always. He says, have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. In His words, it never changes. His works, His works never change. Don't end up in religion. It's very boring for God to say, I mean, God doesn't mind religious people of other religions, but He finds religious Christians very boring. He says, nah, I did not come and die for you for this. I wanted to have a very vibrant walk with me. So we go back to the faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Believe in me. Believe in my words. Believe in my works. The more you listen, the more you believe, the more you experience. Your relationship with Christ, the person grows. Lord, I believe in your works. Why? Because you are the same yesterday, today and forever. I believe in your word because heaven and earth will pass away but not even a dot from your word. Do not read the word for correction only. Yes, you should. But also see, he's the same God. And he has never changed. When any one of us came to Jesus Christ to be saved, everyone who got saved, the format was always the same. If you look at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8-9, by grace you have been saved through faith. Grace, through faith. Not of yourself. It is a gift of God. What? Both. Grace is a gift of God. Faith is a gift of God. Nothing. Not a works let anyone should boast. Okay, You don't have to boast. The interesting part is Romans 12 and verse 3 says for I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Let's leave all that. But to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. You see, the day you heard the gospel, and you were convicted by the Holy Spirit, and you cried out, you put a measure of faith for you to believe. That's how you got saved. Into every heart he put a measure of faith. And you thought you believed. God said, no, I gave you the faith to believe. It's a gift. The minute you believed, the power of God which is called grace came in and you were saved. In an instant you were saved. One second earlier, you were in the kingdom of darkness. Another second, you are in the kingdom of light. One second earlier, death had power over you. Now you have eternal life. It was God. Now God says, This is the way life should be, faith unto faith. All your life, believe in me. All your life, faith to believe, to receive what? Grace. That's what Romans 17 is talking about, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, the just shall live by faith. What is the other side of it? The other side of it is that if you are a real believer who is walking by faith and the grace of God continuously flows into your life and things happen in your life all your life you will have nothing to boast about. Because you know it is God who is doing it and you had nothing to do about it. Keeps you humble. Keeps you humble. That's why scripture says God gives grace to the humble because only the humble experience grace. It's both ways. God gives grace to the humble. Only the humble will experience grace because the minute you boast, I did, look at this, look at this, it's not grace, it's you. It's you. And if somebody has more faith, it's only because they believed more. They took God at his word. And God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't look at which family you came from, what's your educational qualification. He doesn't look at your background. He doesn't look at any of these things. He's just looking. Do you believe? And there are people who may not even have gone to school. Here. They hear that take God at his word and walk away with their miracle. And you look at them and said, ah, oh, he came yesterday. And I've been in the church for 20 years. How did he experience God says? Faith. It's not a respecter of persons. All he looks and always has looked from the beginning till today, is somebody who simply believes him. And all of Jesus' ministry was focused on this. Who believes? In Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, we look at it in context of prayer, but God is actually speaking in context of faith. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And we always make it about praying, praying, praying. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about not losing heart. When do we actually stop praying? When our faith goes. He's talking about persistent faith. I'm going to pray through until I see my miracle. Until I see my deliverance. He says, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. This is actually talking about faith more than about prayer. And he uses the parable. We don't have to go over there about a parable. A widow who comes to an unjust, just who feared neither God nor man. Banging, banging, banging for justice. Finally, he's so irritated and he gets it. You why? Because she was very persistent. And now he's talking about simple childlike faith. To persistent faith because he's talking about certain things may take more time because you do not know what are the blocks and what are the combinations and permutations to be solved before the answer will come. So don't give up. Don't give up. Like the one constant of all the years of 52 Sundays in this church, all these years one constant is salvation of unsaved loved ones. Don't. Give up, God says. Don't give up. Don't give up. Faith that doesn't give up. It is the resilience that comes only from putting your trust in the faithfulness of God. How do you know the faithfulness of God? You know his word, you know his works, and you see he never changes. You're not putting your trust in your prayer. You're putting your trust in the faithfulness of God. That is faithful. It is in this context in Luke 18 and verse 8. If you go to verse 8, Luke 18 and verse 8. In this context, not in context of prayer, but persistent faith. Jesus says, let's leave that first part. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? That's his question. He says, I see all of you pray. But when I come to answer your prayer, I see you have no faith. It's just words without faith. Do you have? Do you have? Because you don't know when God will come. Most people are like Saul. Waiting, 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 waiting. Oh, God is not going to answer. I need to take matter in my hands. And he did it. And Samuel came. He said, you didn't wait. You You took matter in your own hands. Do you think you can defeat your enemies? Do you think you can solve your problems? He said, no, you can't. You can't. Only I can. That's what he's talking about. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Two contexts. One, on our day-to-day basis. Second, when Jesus comes, will he find a church that is prepared to be raptured? Do you believe what he has said? So let us go back to today's, uh, we didn't read that text, but let us read today's text. Did we read Mark 2 verses 1 to 5? Let us read. Chapter one to five, and again he entered Capernaum. Okay, again he. These are the cities he will curse later. Okay, but he's like that. The ones which are the hardened, most hardened hearts, he goes repeatedly to them. The one who is so humble and uh, tender, he has to speak to them once. The hard-hearted ones, he goes back to Capernaum again. He goes to Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. That's enough. He's healed. Let's go to verse 1. Verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard. He was in the house. It was heard. He was in the house. That's where it all begins. They heard about Jesus. They heard, and the crowd came. In Matthew Mark 5 and verse 27, another instance, when she heard about Jesus. Heard about Jesus. Whenever you talk to your friends and invite them to church, do not come and say, oh, come and listen to the pastors. They teach really well. They say, come, you will meet Jesus. They have to hear, not about the worship. They have to hear, not about the preaching. They have to hear that he is in the house. When they heard he was in the house. When she heard about Jesus. That's where it all begins. That's why we don't want to lift ourselves up. We don't want a banner or a name or a pamphlet or anything. All we want to do is lift him up. And he said, you do that. I will do the rest. When Bartimaeus heard about Jesus, he was blind, but he was not deaf. He was not deaf. He was only blind. Scripture says, he cried out when he heard. I don't know how he heard. Maybe there are, there was those days also blind men's union. We don't know. And they were hearing that that blind man was healed there. Another blind man was here there. And everywhere it is saying Jesus healed the blind. There was a deaf men's. Because you will see all these categories coming to Jesus. Because they have their own unions. So Bartimus heard Jesus was in town. He heard. You know, he's the one who meets any need and every need. He heard. Or you have to invite him. His first miracle recorded in the book of John was in the wedding at Cana, And scripture says they had invited Jesus and his disciples for the party. And suddenly he's not the guest. He ends up being the host. That's what happens when you invite Jesus to the party. Are you getting the picture? They heard about Jesus. That's where it all begins. They heard about Jesus. But that's not enough. Faith is not just a fact. It is a fact. But it is not just a fact. You have to take the F out and it has to act. Faith also has to act. Faith has legs. It moves. Faith has legs, it moves. Remember, faith is concentrated on the person of Jesus Christ. That's why you need to know well about Jesus. Hear about Jesus. So, Even if you talk ill about your pastor in your offices, don't talk ill about Jesus. Your pastor cannot say, but Jesus can. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Scripture says, How God Anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good. Wherever Jesus goes, he does good. It's a good God. Good God. And he only does good. Healing all. Another all. I like all. The all's of God. Healing all who were oppressed of the devil. All those who are not well in your body, any state, include yourself in that all today. Healing all. To do good and to heal is the Father's desire. Now look at this. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit to do good and to heal all. Therefore it is the desire of the triune God, the Father, the Son, And the Holy Spirit. That you and I receive good from him. And are healed of every disease which is from the devil. All three have the same desire. All three. And you never have to doubt it. Whether it is God's desire. Yes it is his desire. For this purpose the son of man came. That he might destroy the works of the devil. That's the purpose he came. And the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. Believe who Jesus is. Believe the Father who the Father is. Who the Holy Spirit is. They are good. And they desire good in our lives. And they desire healing in our lives. And you don't have to doubt it. But if you all believe and your faith spreads around in this city, poor Dr. Richard and Dr. David all will run out of jobs. But the issue here is God will not do anything where there is no faith. If you don't believe in him, he won't do anything. Now we have extreme cases where Jesus asked three times, Paul asked three times, and God said, no. So if you are not well, you got a major issue, keep on asking. God has no issues. But if he says no, don't ask. But most of you are ill or everyone is healed. Don't tell me you ask God and God said, no. He didn't say. Unless you are an apostle at Paul's stage, where you have revelations which cannot be uttered. He hasn't said, so don't stop believing for your miracle. When he says, ask and you shall receive, it means keep on asking. When he says, seek, you shall find, he says, keep on seeking. When he says, knock, it not means one knock, oh, it didn't open, I'm going, no, keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Because God... It's a God who really answers. And like in Luke 18, 1, God says, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 3, scripture says, they came to him bringing a paralytic. He was paralyzed. So he had to be brought by four people. I believe all five had faith. We think we always talk about the four who carried him. You think you can carry carry a paralytic man if he doesn't allow you? (laughs) He must have been the one who called. Please, please, friends, come. I heard Jesus is in town. Carry me. Take me to him. So it's not four, it is five. I believe all of them had faith. All of them had faith. And if you go to verse 4, Scripture says, but they could not come near him because of the crowd. They uncovered, simple meaning, they broke the roof. What do you have to break to reach Jesus this morning? What do you have to break through to reach Jesus? When you reach, when you reach heaven, all of us reach one day heaven. God will show us lots of interesting things. How so many peoples, people, when they could have got saved, now they got saved 10 years, 15 years later because pride stopped them from getting up and saying, I believe. That is what they had to break through. It took them 10 years before they responded to an altar call. Others, They could have experienced incredible power of the covenant because they got saved, but they did not get baptized. They waited years to get baptized. What do you have to break through to come to Jesus? Your pride? Or your intellect? I am not anti-intellect. I am also anti-intellect. Because when this intellect is not solely governed by the word of God. Your very intellect stands against the works of God. You start doubting. You start questioning. That is where you need persistent faith. Persistent. Let me ask you this question. How persistent is our faith? Do you remember the story, not the story, the actual historical account of the 12 spies Moses sent to spy the land out? They went. They saw. I believe they all went to different, different areas and they are bringing a record. A record of uh, the land. Everybody bought the same report. Wow, the land is great. Wow, look at the produce of the land. And then the report changed. What was the report? Oh, there are fortified cities. And there are giants. God's report was true. But they did not believe the whole report. Of what God has said. That I give this land to you. Because they did not believe fully. They lost their lives in the desert. They died. Another generation enters under the leadership of Joshua. They fight. They believe. They fight. They possess their promised land and almost, it is almost over. Only few plots are left to be overcome. Areas are left. In jo- Joshua 14, you hear an incredible conversation between Joshua and Caleb. Listen carefully what they speak. Joshua. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. Ramah, they all, you all have to go back to Gilgal. That's the place of, place of your consecration. Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. He says, I'm bringing into your remembrance what God spoke through Moses to you and me. When? 45 years ago. He's 85 now. 45 years ago. I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart not as it was in my eyes. You believe with your heart. You believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. If you believe with your mind what you see you will confess that with your mouth. What they saw Was with their eyes. And they confessed that with their mouth. The land is great. The fruit is great. The giants are great. And the cities are great. We can't go. They saw with their eyes. And saw with their mind. But he said. I believed with my heart. And I brought you a report. According to what God has spoken. Then. Nevertheless my brethren who went up with me. Made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Stop a second there. He said Do you, I want to bring you into your remembrance. He told me something. He told us common and he told me specifically. We all had gone and I believe they went to different areas and he told me something. He said Caleb where your foot trod where you walked i will give it to you now he will say let's come the next verses yes now behold, the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Now here I am this day, 85 years old. Yet I am as strong this day as on the day that God sent me just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, for both for going out and coming in. Stop a minute. That is why I say that defining your life, you need to receive a promise. What is your life's purpose? That's why even on WhatsApp, I tell you, I'm as strong today as the day the Lord told me what I have called you to do. And I I literally mean it. I'm stronger today than the day he has called me, not just spiritually, physically too. I can preach longer, work harder, run faster than when I was in 30s. Because I believe what he has spoken. That which I will see it come to pass in my life, then let my strength wane. You have to take God at his word. This is not your strength. It is his strength in you. He said, I am as strong today as the day because he promised me something. The promise has not been fulfilled. To put that promise to fulfill, I need to fight. I have that same strength. I will go out and I will come in. Believe what God says. Believe. That's why this is not a matter of intellect. This is a matter of faith. Do you believe what he has spoken? Then, now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You know what? when these people went to different, different places and saw different places, do you know 45 years earlier what this man chose? He chose the mountain and he chose the land of the giants and he says, I am ready to fight now. I'm ready to. He did not pick an easy ministry. He picked a toughest piece of re- real estate available then and he said, I want it. There's no retirement in this, Joshua. Joshua. I want it. I am ready to fight. It was hearing about this anarchy and this fortified cities, the hearts of the previous generation melted and they wandered 40 years and died in the desert. One of their own at 85 says, I am ready to fight. Younger ones go to those easy territory. I am going to take the mountain. Do you believe what persistent faith is? you believe? That's what God is talking about. When you come to God, you must believe he is. It is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who comes to God must believe he is. If I was at 40 and I trod this land as a spy, I am 85 and I'm treating the same land now as a warrior and I will possess my mountain. Because Not of who I am. Because of who he is. Anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's what God is talking about. That's what God is talking about. So, today you have to ask is, where is my faith? Where is my faith? In verse 13 and 14, Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. What did he get as an inheritance? He got Hebron. And you have to connect. You need to know your scripture very well by now. You need to connect this very clearly with scripture. Abraham entered into the promised land. He goofed up into Egypt. He came back. Lot and he separated. Then God told him the purpose of his life. Abraham, rise, walk the land. You cover the land. You trade the land. This is what you will do for the next hundred years. You will cover the land. Four hundred years later, your generations will come and possess it. And when he heard the purpose of his life from God, scripture says he packed up his tents, went to Mamre, which is in Hebron. The first land he trod, receiving the promise was Hebron. That's the first land Caleb takes. Hebron. That is where... David will be crowned as king. That's where he will be ruling for seven years. And Joshua Caleb says, that's what I want. I want a place where I can fellowship with God. So you see pictures of men of faith. And these are the sons of Abraham. That's why Jesus said, if you were the sons of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. And these are all the works of the sons of Abraham. And your persistent faith has to go further and further and further. And God says, you know your promise. You know me. You, Your strength will not wax weak. It will wax strong. Next Sunday, God willing, will go to the next, the other fellow who goes further. Further beyond Caleb. What others couldn't do, that man will go further. At Hebron, the, all the tribes of Israel comes and anoints him as king. As soon as the anointed as king, where he has ruled for seven, years, it says, let us take Jerusalem. That is David. What nobody has possessed so far, he will go and break down the Jebusites and take over Jerusalem. Because he said, I am not just satisfied with fellowship with God, where I am king and he is God. I need to take Jerusalem, where he is king and I am man. And he takes over Jerusalem. Look at it next Sunday. What is persistent faith? And how in this journey you never, never give up in your own lives because everyone is fighting those same battles in different ways but the same battle and God says don't give up. So Mark chapter 2. Let's go back to Mark chapter 2. When Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are? When Jesus? When Jesus? Can your faith be seen? Can your faith be seen? It's a God who sees faith. For me and you, faith comes from hearing. And then there is an action that is seen when Jesus saw their faith. Ask the question, can my faith be seen? Or is it my unbelief that is seen? What is seen? Because one or the other is always seen. Either faith or unbelief. There's nothing neutral ground. Faith or unbelief. All this five men thought is if only we can get this man to Jesus. And we are not going to let anything stop. The crowd is not going to stop. The wall is not going to stop. The window is not going to stop. Let's see what we can do. Let's break the roof. Let's break the roof. You have to tell the devil. I'm not going to let anything stopped me from coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus. I tell you an incredible testimony This from many, 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 many years ago in the life of a servant of God, long time back. This is actually what happened. You know, the power is the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what scripture says. Jesus was anointed. Anointing can rest on anything or nothing. Anointing can rest on Anything or nothing. But you are attracted by the Jesus in that person. So Paul's handkerchief can heal people. Peter's shadow can heal people. Shadow has no substance. Handkerchiefs has substance. But it is not the handkerchief that is healing. Nor the shadow that is healing. It is the anointing of Jesus Christ that is resting upon it. Which is healing. The anointing rests upon the man. And the anointing of that man goes on to the... Hang, handkerchief. So people take the handkerchief. Paul said, "I cannot come." They said, "At least give you a handkerchief." They take, they put it. The man gets healed. Anointing can rest on anything, even on dead bones. You know, Ezekiel's story, not Ezekiel, Elisha's story. So remember, it is not the man; it is the anointing. Listen to this story. This is this man who is preaching in a revival conference, and a lady comes and says, "Sir, I know Jesus uses you to heal. I have a request." Can I put a candy in your pocket? I had never heard a request like that. Candy, chocolate. Not the melting kind, the other kind. She said, why? No, my sister is not well. I need to send it to her. He said, no. Why do you want to put a candy? Send my kerchief. She said, every kerchief I have sent. So what's the issue? She said, for the past 30 years, she's in the mental asylum. And the problem is, I send these kerchiefs, they open it and they throw it in the dustbin. And last week when I visited her, they told me, if you want, you can send candies to my sister. So let us pull one fast over the devil. You put the candy in your pocket and at the end of the meeting, give me the candy. I will give it to her. They wouldn't know. He said, game lady, that's kind of people I'm looking for, game. Because anointing can rest on a bone, a shadow or a kerchief, it can rest on a chocolate too. Because anointing is not a respecter of things. <laughs> he put the candy in his pocket. And he preached. In the evening. When it finished. he took it and went. Forgot. Preachers won't remember all this. Because you remember preachers. We don't remember people. Because there will be crowds and crowds and crowds. Many years later. He is back in that city. And he is preaching. At the end of the preaching. Two ladies come to me and say. Sir do you remember me? She said. Uh, he said. Hello sister. She said. "Remember." Do I know you? She said, you know me. I'm the one who gave you the candy. He said, what candy? Remember last time when I came, he says, candy. He says, oh, candy. What happened? She said, this is my sister. He said, what happened? He said, she took the candy. They gave her the candy. And He said, 15 days later, they called me and said, please come and take her home. We did all the tests. She's normal. Do you believe? Do you believe? That's a question. Do you believe? That's why I always tell, don't intellectualize your faith only for doctrine in living. But otherwise faith is a very vibrant, very personal living thing. Don't intellectualize your faith. People still, that's why every time I go on a mission trip, I come back, go with a cap and come without a cap. Because those young guys who follow me at the end will say, can I have your cap? I said, why? Because we know the anointing rests over there. We want your teaching. So take it. Take it. And I know it works. Because they believed. Not because of me. They believed. They believed. It's sometimes it's very easy to speak to very simple people who are not educated at all because they take the word of God and just take it like, grab it like this they don't sit there and say so what is hermeneutics and what is linguistics and what is phonetics they don't think about any of those things all they want is lord we believe this is what i wanted to hear i say lord i believe that's all like i was saying wednesday was a full day marriage seminar for me with the other language crowd it was a marriage seminar at the end of it marriage seminar people come for prayer but the difference is every time i pray with that kind of crowd god just moves and I keep forgetting. Look, we are so used to a very intellectual crowd. So, no. <laughs> they get healed, they crash, they fall, and I say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I said somebody stand behind, catch them. Because I don't realize it happens and always happens in missions. Why? It's got nothing to do with me, it's got to do actually with the people. They very easily believe. They get healed, they get delivered, and the anointing comes. Everywhere. Very easy. Sometimes I believe I am the block. Because I try to intellectualize Christianity. But it is not. Faith can be seen. Faith can be seen. Faith can be heard. Mark 5 verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. What is she saying in her heart? If only I can just touch the hem of his garment. That's all. What did she say? If only I can just touch the hem. That's all it took. That's all it took. If only I can touch. The difference is that Faith can be seen, faith can be heard, faith can be felt. Jesus said, "Who touched me?" Who touched me? Nobody touched me. But he said, "Somebody touched me." What? Power went out. Watch you flowed out. If only. Mark ten forty eight. Many wanted him. Yeah, that was where Bartimaeus was. Many wanted him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Who the heck cares what the crowd says? Well, your problem is so many people are controlled by the crowd. What will people think? Yeah, are they going to heal you? Are they going to open your eyes? Are they going to make the lame walk? So why are you so worried? Can they save you? Why are you so worried about the crowd? They said, keep quiet. He shouted even more loudly. That's right. Faith can be heard. Scripture says Jesus stopped. Can your faith be seen? Can your faith be heard? Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departs from here, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. Two. Son of David, have mercy on What did Jesus do? Jesus does strange things. He's not a regular pastor. What he does is, he basically tests to see you. How persistent is your faith? What did he do? He went into the house. We ran out of the house when people cried. He went into the house. And the blind man went into the house to him. Then Jesus said, Ask them a question. Oh, you followed me into the house. Let me ask you the question. Do you believe I can do this? That is an important question. Do you believe? Lord, I have been praying so long for a husband. Do you believe he can do this? Do you believe? How long will you believe? That's the problem in India. How long will you believe before you jump the gun? Do you believe anything you are looking at? Anything. Do you believe I can do this? See the difference is when you believe Jesus can do this there is no option B, C, D. There is only option A. He said, yes Lord. We believe. He said, really? You believe? He touched their eyes and didn't say, be healed. He didn't say, you said you believe, right? So, let it be according to your faith. Let us see how much you believe. Let us see how much you believe. You know, these are all interesting lessons Jesus is teaching. He says, you know what? Faith accesses God's grace. If you believe, power flows. I'm giving it to you. He's saying in so many situations, the control button is not with God. Is with you. You can access. The question is. Do you believe? When. God says. Do you believe? I believe except for. Relationship. Repairing relationships. Because there is free will. Human will involved. I believe. In almost everything. Human relationships, I don't believe God can. God will subvert somebody's will and bring him back or send him out. No, no. He has given you the free will to choose. But almost other things which are regular features of life, I really believe God can. Not just God can, he can, he will. He will. And if he says no, it will have specifically something to do with the purpose in your life. And he says, not now or you don't need it. Otherwise, I believe almost everything can. Faith can. That's why you have a record of God working through the Bible. Faith can be seen. Faith can be heard. Faith can be felt. And that's the power of God. That's called grace in the Bible. Grace is the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 5 and verse 2 says, Through whom, Jesus Christ, we also have access by faith into this grace by which we, now, everything that you need today, Jesus puts it as daily bread. Everything is included in that. You access by faith. You access by faith. Everything. You access by faith what? Grace. Every blessing you need in life to become an overcomer is included in that word called grace. Read John 1 16. And of His fullness we have all received grace for grace. We have received. Not just salvation. Faith is not just a fact. It is always an act. And that's why James will say faith without works is dead. But the issue is faith also means it is the end of self, oneself. So in the narrative in the Bible, whether it was the leper, whether it is the paralytic, whether it is a sick woman, whether it is a centurion, whether it is a rich man, it doesn't matter what is your status. You have to come to the end of yourself and be entirely dependent upon Jesus. It's not that I will keep part of the control and you have part of the control. God says, no, I am the one. Faith means he is in control. Faith means he is in control. But we can access... Grace through faith. That's what he is talking about. And the biggest block to actually miracles among people, it's not just unbelief. It is pride. Because unbelief is a symptom of pride. Pride and offense. They always go together. Offense. Okay, Naman, general, in his royal robes, but leprosy inside. Comes in the chariot, sends word to Elisha, and he thought, he had already planned out which way God should heal him. That's the problem. And a lot of people do not realize that they have that same attitude. They have a prayer, and they also have a plan. And even if God answers, they are not able to see the answer because God has not answered according to their plan. That's a sign of pride. So he thought the, the prophet will come wave his hand and do two mantras and he will get healed. He didn't do anything. Elisha didn't even come out. Told the servant, tell him to go dip in Jordan seven times. He was offended. He was offended. He was offended. You get it? He was offended. And that's the thing. Are you offended? If things don't happen your way? If you God delays your answer? You get offended and you stop praying? Because if faith won't work, there is always money. Money can achieve a lot of things. Most things, money can. The pursuit of money The pursuit of happiness has been translated into pursuit of money which buys happiness. That's called the American nightmare. They call it dream but it is the nightmare. You see it happening over there. Pursuit, 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 pursuit. It's a nightmare now. So God is telling us, you see this passive Christian life should stop. You know what is, who had this passive Christian life? Active worldly life, passive Christian life. Passive means you are righteous. Who's that? His name is Uncle Lot. Won't sin? No, 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 no. I won't sin. I won't sin. Struggling with sin, but don't tell me to leave the world. I'm very active in the world, not active in the kingdom. God is not talking about a passive Christian life. He's talking about an active faith life. That is Abraham, active. Unless you have an active Christian life. Why do you need miracles? Why do you need miracles? Miracles are the part of an active Christian life. Not a passive Christian. You ask Lord, did you experience any miracle? Yeah, he just saved me from judgment. That's the only miracle you will experience. And in that, did you experience another miracle? Yeah, I saw my wife being burned. That also I saw. These are the miracles left for the passive Christian. God says no. This is an active Christian life. In Mark 10 and verse 51, God asked this question, this is, to another man, well, the, the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? It's very interesting, right, to ask a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? That's, that's Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? It's what question is asking. When you came this morning to the church, what do you want? While you were worshipping, what did you want? Did you really believe for an encounter with Jesus that he would receive your worship? Do you believe? Did you want? Or just came? Oh, today is Sunday, let's go. Or did you want something in worship? Did you want something in prayer? In the hearing of the word, do you want something? If you don't know what you want, how does he answer? Do you believe? That's a question God asks. What do you want? Do you believe I can do this? First he asks, what do you want? Second he asks, do you believe I can do that? Third thing is there, very interesting. That is told by Jesus' mother. John 2.2 Whatsoever he telleth, do it. Whatsoever he telleth, say loudly. Whatsoever he telleth, No, just say do it. it. What so, this is not Nike. This is Jesus. Whatever he tells you, Do do it. Do it. What do you want? Do you believe I can do it? Whatever he tells, do it. Do you see how faith plays out? Because God never does anything in the same way. He heals blind people different ways. That's why your ears have to be very sharp. Let it be according to your faith. Son, your sins are forgiven. Here, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Listen very carefully which pool. You have to listen very carefully. Some people go wash in the pool. He's gone before hearing which pool. So he goes and washes in every pool and ends up as a fool. No sight. Why? Because he didn't hear carefully. That is why this hearing is so important. God speaks. You have to hear very carefully what he is saying. Okay. Naman has to hear very carefully. What did he say? Go to the river Jordan. And. Seven times. Six also it won't have. Six is enough. God says go back a leper. I said seven. Seven. And once it is seven. And you you don't have to go eighth time. Some people overdo. Listen carefully and obey correctly. Do whatsoever he tells you. Remember patterns of faith. This faith as we enter into the 12th year. Really, really want you to believe. Each one of you in your workplaces. Really believe. You are a bundle of miracles walking, anointing inside, anointing all over you. Things will happen when I go. I believe every day Lord. When I go, I am your vessel. Full of you. So he will tell different things to different people, different situation. Listen carefully. Go dip seven times. Fill those six jars. Wash in that pool. Pick up your mat and walk. Go to the temple and show yourself. Go, your son is healed. When the father is saying, come, come, heal my son, he's saying, go, your son is healed. What you ask, what he says, a contrary. what will you believe? Give me five loaves and two fish. That's all we have. Give it. That's all I have, Lord. This is my last bit. That's my last bit, Lord. Do you dare to believe me? Lord, that's the last bit of flour and oil in my vessel. Give it to me. Do you believe? You want your miracle? Do you believe? That's the question. Can he see your faith? Do we believe? That's what? It all comes from hearing. In Mark two, two, Jesus says. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. That's where it begins. Miracles follow. Preaching proceeds. So absent to preach. When I preach, people hear. When people hear, some believe. Those who believe walk away with their breakthrough. They walk away with their healing. They walk away with their deliverance. They walk away with what they came for. God says, do you believe? Do you know how God concludes Jesus? God concludes the book of Mark, the epistle of Mark, not epistle, gospel of Mark, Mark 16. Listen carefully now. Everybody. He said to them, go to the world and preach. He says, what I did, you saw me. Apprentices, apprentice Peter, apprentice John, do you see? You saw me what I did. Now you're going to do the same thing. Go preach the gospel to every creature. First thing is this. He who believes. That's the fact. He who believes. And is? Is? That is the act that you believed. How do you know you believed? get baptized. He who believes and is baptized is saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Not is saved, will be saved because salvation is a process. You are saved from so many things but first you are served from eternal judgment and then you are saved. But who does not believe will be unwritten but even if you get baptized without believing you are condemned. Baptism has no meaning without believing precipitating. First there is a fact and then there is the act. That's how we so the question is, did you get baptized? Did you get baptized? Romans six four. Did you get baptized? Did you get baptized? Can I have Romans six four? The question it is a fact. It's a daily living fact. And when you move out of the fact, you come back to that fact by faith. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death. Are you dead to the world? Or is the world alive for you? It will show. It will show. If you are dead to the world, it will show, right? If you are alive to the world also, it will show. Yes, I believe I got baptized. That's not the fact. Those are outward things. But in reality, did you die? You see, it's interesting, right? As you go further, the God is asking the question Are you alive or dead? If you're alive, Jesus is dead. If you're dead, if you're dead, Jesus is alive. Why is it so important? Why is it so important? This is all Jesus' final words in the gospel according to Mark. Why is it so important? He who believes and baptizes will be saved. Now go to verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Now it is different. Now you are not the blind man looking for sight. You are not the left man looking for hearing. You are not the cripple who is trying to walk. You are a vessel. Behind whom signs are following. You have become a child of the living God. Now signs are following you. You are not following signs. You are not following signs. Signs are following. That is what Jesus Jesus was anointed by his father. God has anointed Jesus Christ or Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And he went about doing good and healing everybody oppressed of the devil. And he will begin his ministry by saying the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And John will say for this purpose the son of man came. Because almost every demonic oppression is manifested either in the mind or in the body. In the mind or in the body. In one time of either. You are not able to come out of a warped thinking. And you follow that like a dog goes to its vomit. Or in your body you are controlled by stuff we should not control. It. Demonic. So to the child of God. God says now I have an anoint, anointed you exactly the way I have anointed my son Jesus. He says this is the first sign. In my name. You will cast out demons. My name, you will cast out demons. Do you believe? Do you 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 don't need to fear, you need to believe. Actually the demons are afraid of us and we don't realise they put this big picture and a mask to make us afraid of them. But actually they are afraid of us. Ask my wife. When people who have these issues call her and ask for prayer, she says, Why don't you call my husband? They said, No, we won't call him, we will die. even though I haven't talked to them, they all know my name. It's not because who I am. It's because of what I believe. Any one of you can do it. If you believe. God is not a respecter of persons. He says, these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall cast out demons. the first thing. Cast out demons. Because we are in warfare. We are in warfare. There is no way you can deliver this land unless you are ready to cast out demons. There is no land in our, under the planet Earth, in on planet Earth, that is more demonically oppressed than this land. And it is warfare. And all that you read in the Old Testament has actual battles. Is translated for us into spiritual battle. I was telling the young man yesterday, you said, you know how battles began? Battle began with this. This was the first oh, battle fist. In many nations, if you are a black belt, this is considered a weapon. So that if you kill somebody because that, the charge you will get under murder is different by accidentally hitting somebody because this was a weapon which you used. But because this has a particular reach, from there came the sword. Now with the sword, you can reach further. But sword has a limit. From there came the spear. You can reach further. But spear also has a limit. From there came the sling. It can reach further. From there came the bow and arrow. You are seeing how far you can reach in your war. In the same way Jesus will say out. And Jesus will say go. Your son is delivered. He can deliver here. He can deliver 10,000 miles away. That's the power of the anointing. That's how you learn physical truths given in the Old Testament to spiritual facts in the New Testament. I have the power and the anointing to set a brother or sister free who is 10,000 miles away because I believe. I believe. God is preparing a set of people who will believe and who will be equipped and who will walk this land and set this land free. The question is, God says, do you believe? That's why the first thing, cast out demons. And sometimes it's so easy, so easy to cast out a demon from unbelievers than to cast out from a believer. Honestly, experience. I've cast out tens and thousands of those wimpy creatures out. But I'm telling you, it's easier to cast out of an unbeliever than a believer. You know why? Believers... Unlike unbelievers, unbelievers have idols outside. Believers have idols inside. And we we, we don't understand. Look at Hosea 4.17. You see, when Joseph, final blessing, 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 Jacob's all these blessings. And you know, actually, forget Judah and the scepter of Judah about Jesus. That's the only great thing about the tribe of Judah. Other than that, in Jacob's blessing, the greatest blessing is over Joseph. He's a fruitful vow. He'll go over the wall. Joseph has two sons. The younger is uh, Ephraim, the elder is Manasseh. But when he blesses, he blesses Ephraim and puts him ahead. So actually in so many ways, Ephraim is far ahead of others. In the father's blessing. But look at what finally God says about Ephraim. Ephraim is joined to idols. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. You know what idolatry does? When you have an idol in your heart, it becomes the point through which demonic enters. That's why God says, cleanse your heart of idolatry. Cleanse your heart of idolatry. So before spiritual children can mature and become a young man who has overcome the evil one. Remember 1 John? Little children and young men, because the word of God is strong in you, have overcome the evil men. He tells children only one thing in the last verse in 1 John. Little children, please keep yourself from idols. Because you think an idol is something uninteresting or harmless. It is not. Spiritual idols becomes the point through which the trafficking of demons take place. That's why he comes and tells Israel, Israel, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And it can be anything subjective or objective in your heart. You place it higher than God. And God says, you are in trouble. Because they will control your life now. Cast out demons. Cast out demons. What is the first thing? Verse 17, cast out. Second thing, speak in other tongues. Paul says, half of Christianity doesn't believe in tongues. Their loss, our gain. Those who believe and received it, your gain. Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Can you imagine a gift like that being rejected? It's your prayer life. It's your, it's your prayer life. God says, do you understand what follows those who believe? What those who believe receive? Third one, they shall pick up serpents. Oh. Pick up serpents. Who was, who was the one who picked a serpent? Not Paul. Paul did not pick a serpent, the serpent picked on Paul. Just Moses, the first one to pick a serpent. Moses, do you see this rod? Yes, Lord. This rod has been controlling your destiny for the past 80 years. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness. Do you know the nature of this rod? No, Lord, looks ordinary. he says, no, throw it, I'll show you what it is. Scripture says he realized what controlled him was demonic. The power, the authority you manifest is not divine, O Moses, it was demonic. You ruled in Egypt for 40 years, and you walked in the wilderness 40 years. This was the symbol of your authority, right? Do you see its real nature? If God were to show the real nature of the power we exercise in our own lives, would we run? Would we run? Scripture says he ran. He ran. This was the wisdom of Egypt, right? Mighty in words and deeds, young man. Do you see? Your intellectual ability which you got from the degrees in your college and all those. That's what you put your trust in. Did you know that power was demonic? You put your trust in it, immediately it becomes demonic. You put your trust in God alone. Did you understand? He's saying Moses. You see it's real nature? Yes, Lord. Go back. Pick it up pick it up by the tail nobody catches a tiger by the tail or a snake by the tail you catch it by the neck nobody catches a snake by the tail God didn't say catch it by the head he said catch it by the tail take it by the tail what does it mean all these days you are walking like this, no? Invert it. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world are opposites. This is how you walk. How you walk. Be wise as a serpent but be gentle as a dove. world will not understand it. Invert it. Invert it. The world will never understand the ways of the kingdom. Because it's an inversion of the values of this world. Jesus said the rulers of this world. Lord are them. Not you. Not you. Not you. Take it by the tail. You take it by the tail. If you take it by the neck. You are controlling it. If you take it by the tail. I am controlling it. You will have to rely on me every day to see the power and the authority that you have doesn't bite you. Doesn't kill you. Doesn't destroy you. Hold it by the tail. Lord, I have power. Lord, I have authority. Lord, I have anointing. But it is yours and not mine to be used for you, not for me. For your glory, not my glory. For your honor, not my honor. You are the Lord. I am the servant. Hold it. Do you believe? God says, Do you believe? He says, If you believe and you take that snake by the tail, and now the rod is inverted, he says, Go. Go to Egypt. Take the rod with you. Take the rod with you. But he says, now this rod will be called the rod of God. The Pharaoh asked, I, I, I wonder what is happening over, now. All of Egypt is standing, all the big ones in the palace is standing with their rods and this fellow comes in inverted rod. <laughs> that is what happened to the Pharisees also. John the Baptist came with a strange garment and Jesus said, why did you go to the wilderness? To see somebody in flowing robes? It didn't fit into your type of preacher, right? But when he spoke, people got saved. And this dude speak, people are stiff. Inversion. And he told Moses, take the rod with you. Every time you lift this rod, it will happen. Every time you lift Jesus. Paul will say. Jesus is the wisdom. And the power of God. Do you believe? Next thing. They shall drink anything deadly. And it will by no means harm them. You believe. You are separated. You are baptized. You are filled Go to any university in the world. Listen to anything. It will not harm your thinking. They could teach Daniel three years of Babylonian science, Babylonian philosophy, Babylonian theology, Babylonian literature. Change his name to the name of their God. But when the king examined him, what came was the wisdom of God. Do you believe you can drink deadly poison of this world? Because when you go out... Everything is poisonous. From the hoardings on the road, to the programs on the TV, to the conversation, to the systems. Everything is to poison your mind. Because the devil wants your body and your mind. Will you survive? Can you survive? Honestly, I can tell you, I went in as a weak believer into IFLU and came out stronger. That's when I realized, Power of God's word. That this is all junk. Lakan and all these guys are junk. Called construction and deconstruction. And I knew the creator. That's the only thing that mattered. Can you drink poison? It will not harm you. That's what God is talking about. Because the devil has spewed his poison through everything. There is nothing that is not contaminated. Not even the pulpit. Even the pulpits have been contaminated. Are you immune? God says these are the signs that will follow those who believe. You will be immune to the devil's voice. It will not color your thinking. It will not color your thinking. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. The devil is injecting his venom. What is coursing in my spiritual body is the blood of Jesus, which is anti-venom. It will not kill me. It will not harm me. It will not harm you. It will not kill you. You need to believe. You need to believe. If you want to come through. Then, if you lay hands on the sick, they shall be healed. Do you believe? So, as you see occult, oppression, bondage, all this abuse increase, do you retreat or do you advance? Are you tied down or are you set free? Do you see your soul shrinking or enlarging? What do you see? How do you see? How do you see? How do you hear? I get these incredible testimonies that come from our churches in a particular place, a particular nation where this Christianity is not allowed openly, freely. And the that verse took a different meaning for me completely. When the cops raided, there were this set of young people sitting there for Bible study. But you know what? They were there for Bible study. But none of them had a Bible. You know what? The cops couldn't get them. You know what they said? Your word we have hidden in our heart. And I said, wow. Who can say it was never meant to be read that way? (laughs) Do you see God is living? David wrote, your word I have hidden in my heart that I do not sin against you. And here is a set of people 3,000 years, 3,500 years later having a Bible study without a Bible because the word of God is hidden in their heart and these signs follow those who believe. Two days back, or yesterday or day for yesterday, somebody else is calls and says, I've been ill, very ill. Six months I have been moved from my bed. Paralyzed. Six months. Then I got the message. Fearsome in his praises. Listen to it five times. And started praising God. The power of God hit. Now I am walking after six months. Do you believe? Here in this city. Not even far away. In this city. It's the same God. He has never changed. It's the same yesterday, today and forever. Never changes. The question is, do we believe? These are the questions Jesus asks. The word teaches us. The spirit teaches us. What do you want? Do you believe I can do this? Do whatever he says. Let there be no idols in your heart. Let it flow. As it flows continuously, you will be tickled pink. And also, you will have trouble in your life. The more anointing, more trouble. But, in your office places, suddenly will become places of ministry. Places of ministry. It becomes a place of ministry. Demons know you by name. They know you by name. They cannot directly attack you. But they will attack you through people. And you are fine with it. Because you are ready for battle. You know you are equipped for battle. Twelfth year. That's what I am praying Lord. Twelve is the year of your government. and I am praying. The government is upon your shoulder. But in your people's life. There shall be an increase. Of your government. And peace. More power. No longer children. They will all be your servants in their workplaces. Set apart. So this morning, even as we go to communion, believe in your miracle. It could have happened anytime before. During worship, during prayer, during the word. It's not over yet. It can happen during communion. It can happen during benediction. It can happen during fellowship. It can happen when you are going home. Rich man's son. Got the report. His son was healed when he was going home. Don't tell God how to do it. Just take it. Whichever way he does it. Even as you sing. Even as you prepare. All I ask is. Believe. believe for your healing. It doesn't matter what your sickness is. God doesn't want to even to know your name of your disease. Because he says, I am the God who heals. Heals all your diseases. And if it's not disease, but it is forgiveness you are looking for, he says, I am the God who forgives. So he doesn't even want to know what's the nature of your sin. All your sins. All your disease When you partake, believe, believe. Yes, Abel, can I we have a stanza please? Keeps power in the blood. Confess with our mouths. The songs, the words, the lyrics. Now believe when you partake of the elements. There is power in the blood of Jesus. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed. Took bread. When he had given thanks he broke it and said. This is my body which is for you. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup shall we pray Father this morning. We just come to you father We want to thank you for your son We thank you that he allowed his body to be broken Nails to pierce his hand and his feet, his back to be stricken, his blood to be shed so that we could be made whole. Today, Father, I pray as we partake of the emblems of your body and your blood, O Lord Jesus, let there be healing. Let there be deliverance in the body of Christ. Of everything that binds them. Everything that holds them back. Everything that cripples them. Let there be deliverance in your house Lord. We believe. Therefore we partake. Thank you Father. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. This morning even as we are here. As we come to. The concluding. Part of the service. Service here today will end here. But we never stop serving God. That never ends. The question God asks today is do you believe? We have faith to receive our salvation. Faith to receive our miracles, our healing, our deliverance. Faith. For our sanctification. Daily. Then you step out in faith. And God says "Signs shall follow you. That's why when you hear and study the Bible for living doctrine. Yes. But you don't just read with your eyes. And your ears. You hear, you need to have the heart of faith. He is our daily bread. I asked this question to the young men who gathered yesterday. I said, how do you read John 20 verse 19? John 20 and verse 19. This is Jesus' appearance. Post-resurrection comes down from heaven. On the same day at the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. This is how the word of God speaks to you. Because it's living. Now, it could have been written on the first day of the week, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But something, there are a lot of stuff written over there. It says the doors were shut. Right? Doors were shut. And Jesus says, Scripture says, He just came and stood in their midst. Meaning he neither knocked nor did they open. He just came in. Okay, we had an incredible uh, scientific answer from Pastor Vijay. I said, hang on, hang on, of space and matter and all. I said, (laughs) okay, that's all true. Because those are all scientific facts. But it's something else, something much more than that. The doors were shut. And they were afraid. See, that's what happens. When you're afraid, the doors are shut. Fear shuts doors. Shuts doors. Scripture says he came in. He didn't open doors. Why didn't he open doors? Because he's telling you and me. When you're facing situations, do you know I am the door? I am the door. I am your door. You're looking for doors, but I am your door. This is how you go by faith in your situations. You look at God and say, Lord, open a door. God says, what are you talking about? My son is the door. In him, you are blessed. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. In him, he is the door. Do you know what you want? Do you know your promise? Because scripture says through Peter these exceedingly great promises through which we partake of the divine nature of God and escape the corruption of the world. Do you know who he is? That's why Jesus keeps on asking. Do you believe I can do this? <laughs> who am I to you? That's what He saying. Who am I to you? should say it today. You are my door. Looking for success? No, Lord, you are my doorway to success. I don't want success any other way. Through you, you are my door. Proverbs eighteen ten says, "The righteous, the name of the Lord is a strong tower." What is a strong tower? The name of the Lord. In your, it's the righteous run into it. Do you know the name of the Lord to run into in your situation? That's why when Moses asked, what is your name? He says, I am that I am. Don't worry, you go through according to a situation, you will know what my name is. And you and I need to know our situations and his name. That's where we ride in and he becomes our tower. In Egypt, when they were coming out, he was the captain of the host. Who fought for them. They didn't have to lift one single finger. But when they were faced with a Red Sea in front of them, he became the way. He said, I am the way. And they walked through him. And the seas stood apart for him. Do you know his name? In the wilderness where there was nothing, they experienced him as their provision. He was their provision. He was the bread. And he was the water. That's how the righteous run into his name. That's how you know. You look and you know his promise. You know his name. Because Jesus said, in my name. I give you authority in my name. In my name. According to yourself. Whatever. There is not a situation in your life as a righteous you will face where you cannot run and you realize he is a tower. Tower. Some of you may be lonely, orphans, widows, separated, whatever it is. Sitting out, depressed, sitting and crying. Thousands and thousands of years ago, a woman and a child were thrown out of the house for no sin of hers. But she was thrown out. And she's sitting and crying and saying, I'm going to die. So depressed, so discouraged that she's not able to see anything that life is so close by. And God says, open your eyes and see. There's water close by. And she calls him El Roy, my God who sees me. And you're sitting in your room, lonely, depressed, discouraged, thinking, nobody sees me. You have one who sees you. And the righteous run into that name. That's how your faith becomes real. That's why you access by faith this grace. I do believe. David was a little scared, little boy, huge giant. This man who's been a man of war from childhood, huge giant. But he was not putting his trust in him. He says, you come against me with a spear, a sword, a javelin, but I come against you in the name of, he knew the name, Jehovah Shabbat, the captain of the host. I know your name. The righteous run into your name. And you are a strong tower. Genesis. Exodus 15. And verse 26. God will tell us. You and me. For us especially. He says. If you diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God. And do what is right in his sight. Follow it. Hear. Do and give ear to his commands, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought upon the Egyptians. Every disease you see in the world is the disease of Egypt. And God says, I'm no longer talking to you about healing. I'm talking to you to walk in health. If you believe me. If you believe. You can. If you believe me, he says, hear carefully. That is why we are asked to receive everything with thanksgiving. He says the prayer sanctifies it. Do we see the promises of God? Do you see what God has done for us? Do you see the provision he has made in Christ? Now you do see why he says, why do you fear? Why do you fear? This is the faith to which he has called us. This is the faith to which the giants lived. The giants of our faith, of our fathers lived. Apostle Paul and Peter and everybody, they lived this life. If they were beaten, if they were killed, it was for faith. This morning, that's the call of God. Let your faith be vibrant. Hear carefully. Obey diligently. Do whatsoever. The entire Catholic church in the world has to hear what the mother told. One thing alone she told the church. Only one thing she actually told the church. What is that? Listen to him. Don't come to me. Till today they haven't listened to that. They don't listen to him, they go to her. One thing she said. Jesus says, one thing you need, one thing. One thing. She said something very interesting. She said, listen to whatsoever he says. God will tell you to do stuff which defies your intelligence. To the point, it is not super intelligent, it is super foolish. That's the problem. If it is super intelligent, wow, Lord, I'm so proud you told me this. No, he tells you the most stupid thing to do. That only somebody who really considers himself foolish will do it. That's why God says He doesn't call the rich, the strong, the noble. He calls the weak and the foolish. Why? They obey. They obey. They obey. So this morning, shall we stand? Shall we believe? Because He said, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the best I believe, I know God takes us through stages because it's not that he is always good and is a God who loves to bless his children. But God being a good God and a loving father, he wants to prepare us to receive his blessing so that the blessings don't destroy us. Because both God and the devil is after your mind and your body. The devil wants your mind and your body to do his things. So you see all the drug abuse, alcohol abuse, sex abuse, every abuse. Because he needs your body. It's demonic. He controls your body and your thinking. God wants your body. For what? To fill himself with himself. His anointing. So that you and I go out and do good. Jesus of Nazareth was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit. And he went out doing what? Good. And setting Free all those who were oppressed of the devil. That's what we want. That's what we want. Lord, when I go out, I want to do good. I want to do good. And I want to set people free. So 11 years he brought us to the point of you have learned your teaching. You didn't have to take 11 years. But people came at different stages. Bringing us to our liberty in Christ Jesus. Where the spirit is Lord, there is liberty. And now as we got another 15 days to go and we enter into our 12th year, really believe. Fill me even more. Let me go out and do good, Lord. Do good wherever I could. Do good to others. Set people free. Believe. Believe. All it takes is faith. It doesn't take great wisdom, knowledge, nothing. All it takes is faith. If he says, lay hands, lay hands, they will be healed. Don't be afraid. If he says in your office, quietly in the ear, whisper, I command you, Spirit, no manifestation here, no showing any jugat, just leave and go. They will go. They will go. We don't want a sensation in the office. Jesus did it. Keep quiet. No talking here. Just leave. Believe in authority. His authority, His power. Because all authority, all power is given unto Him. And He gives unto us. Shall we sing that song? Same song which we sang for communion. There is power. There is power. just come to you this morning in that mighty name of Jesus. The name above all names. Every ruler, every power, every authority, every knee, every tongue. Bow before that name. We'll confess Jesus you are Lord. Today in that name, that mighty name of Jesus, sickness has to bow. Demons have to leave. Oppression has to cease. Addictions have to break. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I speak healing. In the name of Jesus. Now. To all those who listen on the net over the days. The word of God is still living. When you hear on the net. Will be your now. For he is the same yesterday. Today and forever. Be healed in Jesus name. Every demonic operation. I command every spirit. That is not of you to leave. The bodies of God's people. Now in Jesus name. Let every addiction be broken. In Jesus name. Whatever it is. If there is any addiction that it be that we are a people addicted to Christ. Crazy about Him. Set your people free, Lord. For this purpose you came. To destroy the works of the devil. And let them Prepare for the overflow. That every one of them, I pray, will be like Joseph. Not only a blessing to their household, but like the branch that goes across the wall and is a blessing to the world. Everyone going out, they will do good. Because their father is good. And he has filled them with his goodness. And he will set people Who are oppressed of the devil. Let your anointing break the yoke over every life. Let your anointing fill every life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We look at this fifth month. And we believe. Grace upon grace. We receive by faith. For you came full of grace. Full of truth. This fifth month. Whatever we have received from you. In these 11 years. Let it multiply. Your goodness. Your power. Let it multiply in us. That it no longer feeds us or a few. That it feeds multitudes. We believe We believe. Therefore we speak. Let everyone's faith be heard and be seen. That God is pleased. Thank you. Thank you Lord. As we go into another week I bless you people in your name. The presence the power and the provision of God be everyone's portion. Now by faith we lift up holy hands. And now we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we proclaim. Thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory. Forever and ever. Thank you Lord. We ask all this Father. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen.